Greetings humans and welcome to Lefteris Ask Science edition number 10. Who would have thought that we would manage to reach the number 10? I have not been as consistent as I hoped with the two episodes per month, but uh, work is getting a bit more intense even while we're in the quarantine. Anyway, today's episode is special to me because I'm bringing a big part of my everyday 30-year life into the podcast. I interviewed Dr. Dimitris Stathares, and those with a keen eye to detail will notice that we have the same last name. I had the chance to interview my older brother. For 30 years of my life, Lefteris Asks Dimitris was something that was happening on a daily basis, but now we're doing it with an audience. So before we get into the podcast, some housekeeping. If you want to help, you could share the episode and subscribe to the podcast and give it a rating whatever you hear your podcasts. That would really help tremendously. Also, if you have any questions or suggestions, go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Lefteris underscore asks and use the hashtag LefteriasAskScience to do so. Now, on with the show where I discuss with Dr. Stathas, not myself. My name is Dimitris Tatharas. I am a mechanical engineer. Uh, I currently work as a as a research associate in uh, University of Leicester. Dr. Dimitris Tatharas spent four years studying the hot cracking susceptibility of materials. In plain words, how easy materials can break during the welding process. Materials can fail in a number of ways because of that welding process, and sometimes it can even break during the weld. During the welding process, what we're doing is effectively bringing two solids, preferably metallic materials, together, and um, by applying uh, heat in the form of an arc, we melt these materials. So as they are as they both melt, they fuse together, and we have a solid connection between the two materials. Now, during this process, uh, there are a lot of things that can go wrong. We are always careful on how we weld, and depending on what we're welding, the process changes, and we make arrangements. Hot cracking is one of the things that can happen uh, during welding. Hot cracking is essentially cracks that occur and uh, they destroy our welds. The term hot cracking comes from the fact that this takes place during the weld process. I have experience in material science for my master's and PhD, but I had a hard time wrapping my head around the concept of cracks destroying something that is in liquid form. I'm used to liquids filling the voids wherever they are, right? So I was curious, how could you have crack formation in something that begins as a liquid? When you have uh, a liquid, uh, a liquid metal, obviously, after some time, it solidifies. Now, this solidification starts from the colder part of the weld, which is the part that's in contact uh, with the actual unmelted material. And then it progresses and you start solidifying until the surface of your pool. During this process, you have a, an area which is completely solid, a, an area that is solidifying, and an area that is liquid. Now, in the interface between the, the area that 
solidifies and the liquid, uh, what actually happens is practically the material uses the liquid around it to attract atoms and solidify. Then you have what you grow, what we call dendrites, which are um, which is the way materials, metallic materials, solidify practically. The term dendrite, which means trees, so there are like tree-like structures with branches. Now the problem occurs when for some reason there are areas that you do not have enough liquid to fill gaps so the speed that these dendrites grow or the amount of uh, pressure or uh, strain that you put on the weld can cause gaps to form and you do not have on the interface enough liquid to fill those gaps, and that causes hot cracks. Immediately, I thought that the reason that these cracks occur is only because of the way that the welding was happening. Thinking that the speed that the welder is moving or the distance of the tip of the weld to the material, all these parameters are the only reason that these cracks occur. But of course, I was wrong at least partially, because there are other parameters that determine how easy these cracks can form, and Dr. Dimitris Tatharas gave an easy example of a weld to understand how complex this can be. Imagine you're, you're trying to make a, a big pipe that will carry oil and gas under the sea. You're making this pipe from a thick, flat plate, which you rolled, and it's a high-grade steel, uh, very expensive steel, and uh, very strong steel. Now, you bend it to form it into a pipe, and then you have to weld a seam in order to actually seal and make it a pipe. Now, when you have, let's say, a not-closed O as a pipe, yeah. uh, the material physically will act as a spring. So if you are if you push it together, then it will try to pull itself apart. So even naturally the material will have the, the part will have the tendency to pull itself apart. During welding, you have, for example, this force that actually tries to pull itself apart while you're trying to keep it together. But also because of the temperature differences, this will cause strains to happen, and especially on the welding uh, front, on the solidification front. Uh, so these, imagine you are having like these branches that are uh, trying to connect together and uh, solidify, being pulled apart, creating new gaps. Now, if you have, let's say, a longer branch closer to the weld, closer to the to the liquid. Uh, that does not break, but you have shorter branches below that. That's one of the things that might happen. And you pull them apart. You have no access to liquid in order to fill the gap. And obviously the stress at that point is so high that can cause cracks to happen. So different materials obviously solidify differently or at a different rate and the forces that are being generated because of all this process will be different. 
So depending on the application, you need to choose the correct material so that you don't have an unpleasant surprise. Indexing materials and creating a table that can help designers and engineers choose which material is which is super useful, but there is no such thing yet. So now we know what hot cracking is and why is that important. Now, how do you test and see how easily a material can create hot cracks? The test that I have chosen was a test that actually does a weld, so it does not simulate the weld, it actually carries out the weld on the specimen. It is based and it's focused on the amount of strain that you apply on the weld uh, during the welding. So you start the welding process on a flat plate and while you're actually welding, you bend the material in order to force cracks to generate. Uh, and it's very amazing, especially uh, because the, one of the rigs that I used, which was industrially uh, made, basically, uh, could bend uh, 25 millimeters thick plates of steel uh, while, uh, while welding, and it was uh, quite a sight. I was lucky enough to see such a test. And it's quite a sight. The whole setup weighs three tons. And you take one plate of steel, you initiate a weld in the middle of the plate, and at some point before the weld finishes, the machine bends the plate to help it initiate cracks. If you're familiar with mechanical engineering and material science, that's a very similar to a what we call a three-point bend test. Basically, what we do in a three-point bend test is that we take a plate, we apply force on two opposite edges of the plate, while the plate is resting on a point in the middle of it, which we call a former. That former is not a point, is a circular former, so you have a radius. This is what drives mainly the strain. Uh, but, as you can imagine, if you have, let's say, a former that gives you 3% strain. Uh, if you bend almost, if you do not bend enough around that former, you will get less than 3% strain. And if you over bend and you bend too much, you will get over 3% strain. So the, uh, the parameters of the test, as they were introduced, uh, did not provide with the actual length that you can that you should bend around the former because first of all it's not easy to calculate and second of all depending on your sample depending on uh, the size because not all rigs are huge some are smaller uh, depending on the material because some materials behave more like springs than others uh, so uh, it's there are it's a very complicated issue, uh, and that's one of the reasons that we cannot have a clear index because it depends on who does this, we'll actually potentially measure different strains, but would expect another strain because of the format that is used. As we've discussed before on the scientific principle episode. Step number four is reproducible results in tests. So in order to index the materials, 
the test needs to be standardized so that people in different labs in different countries can test the same things and get the same results. Before we go into the details as to how Dr. Dimitrisathras tried to standardize the tests, let's make sure that we understand what the strain is. So if you have a rod that is 100 centimeters long and you pull it and lengthen it to 110 centimeters long, then you have applied an, a 10% strain. So the input of the test was the amount of strain you want to add to the weld line. However, depending on how big the sample is, how big the testing equipment is, you didn't know how much exactly you needed to bend the material in order to achieve that strain. Uh, what I've done is uh, I uh, derived a new equation that actually, uh, no matter what kind of ring you're using, how, no matter how big your samples are, it takes that under consideration and it outputs how much the bend should be in order to achieve the same amount of um, strain. So what Dr. Dimitris Naharas did for his PhD is test different materials in order to confirm or disprove his equation and find out how repeatable the results were. But that's only the first step of a big process. But what is the future for research like this? The parameter that I added was how much you should bend, how, what is the stroke length in order to actually get the desired strain. If you, if you need 10 millimeters of bend in order to achieve, let's say, 3% strain, if you apply 20 millimeters, you will exceed this. Because strain is a geometrical parameter, the actual, uh, as long as the material obviously is elastic, like steels and metallic materials are, if it's steel or aluminium or copper or whatever, does not matter. It's, the, it's geometry that matters. But again, if you stretch steel by 10 centimeters and copper by 10 centimeters, the strain the is the same. Is the same because it's a geometry, so you fire less force, yes, but that's not, the force is not an input, it's the actual strain. The good thing with the equation that I have introduced it is that um, assuming that the test is done in a three-point bend type situation, you can actually by using only the geometrical parameters such like the width of your former, the length of your uh, specimen, and the thickness of your specimen, you can actually get as a result how much you should bend in order to achieve your strain. And that's it for another edition of Lefteri Sussex Science. I hope that in this episode you realize that even with something that we know and have used in technology for decades, there are still many things we don't know and that are very, very interesting for research. I'd like to thank Dr. Dimitris for his time and of course for the killer music he wrote for this show. Thank you very much for listening in and for following me on this journey as we hit the small but significant for me milestone of the 10th edition of the show. If you enjoy, please share and subscribe to the show and follow me on Twitter at lefteris underscore asks if you want to connect. Until next time, Take care, keep learning, and be kind.